Play it, play it, play it, play it. We are gay like a fruit. We are looking like a snack. You are listening to Fruit Snacks. You're not going to use a coaster? I was told not to. Did he say not to, or did he, he say he doesn't I care? Asked, well, he said he didn't care. Yeah, there's a difference. So that's what I meant. So no, it's please, fine. It's fine. Don't even worry about I using a coaster. We don't coasters. care. Oh, I'm kidding. We're recording. Did you did yeah. we get some shit on it? Yeah, yeah. Give me a coaster. Just no, sure. uh, it's no, glass. It needs to be cleaned anyway. No, believe me. I get it, but it's not my Stop. home. Stop. The viewers are listening. Hey, guys. Hi. I'm, I almost said I'm Anthony. No. I'm Shane. Yeah, I'm Anthony. My middle name is Shane, actually. No, it's not. I'm giving too much. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. No, say swear. I swear, I promise you, 100%. Eyes, eye contact, and everything. Anthony Shane eyes. is your name? Anthony Shane. And my brother's middle name is Ryan, by the way. So we have connections. Boom, done. And you are listening to, you want to say it with me? Fruit, Fruit snacks. snacks. I tried. I did my best. It was I, got it. I got it. it. I got it. I got it. Um, Anthony, you're back in the studio. I'm back. I'm excited. I'm ready. Yeah, for all the listeners, um, Brian just got back from a week-long trip to Zion National Park in Utah. Um, so he's a little exhausted and has to get a bunch done before he goes back to work tomorrow. He and he's flying. real pissy, too. He was gardening in the front. I ran into him. It's because his plants are dying. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I brought on a repeat special guest. I don't know that we've had a repeat before. I mean, you might be the I'm first, but I know, also could be lying about that. With my being a frequent listener, given with COVID, I haven't mm-hmm. been as on top of any podcast that I usually yeah. frequent. Yeah. Um, but I have still listened to most during COVID, and yeah, I am. I'm the great. Well, the welcome one, back, so and that. congratulations Thanks. on being our first repeat guest. <laughs> hey, party town. All right. Um, <laughs> So just to kind of clue listeners in as to why I specifically wanted to bring you back on this podcast. By the way, I'm going to interject. Episode okay. 54, uh, Gay Bader, Anthony, boom, that's the episode. Go oh, ahead. right, duh. Go we back. should have given that back Come introduction. On, go back, Correct. And then Look at you being a host. Hello. I love and it. And then um, here we are again so we can see how I've evolved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At all. Gay Bader, not. Anthony. <laughs> well, we called you Tony. Yeah, Tony. Gay right, Bader yeah. Tony. So, uh, Anthony, <laughs> you sound like a pedophile. Now we're evolving again. <laughs> this is how this happens. It's real time. What are we going to do? Um, yeah, Anthony, I was uh, off put by giving full name because I'm a teacher now and that kind of thing. So I understand that that has a different right. uh, effect as far as the public view. So For sure. especially with sexual things being talked about, whether they be um, accepted or not accepted or completely normal or something a little bit more kink, whatever it is. Uh, I wanted to push back, but also at this point, life is life, and we just have to kind of talk it about sure it. It sure is. You know? um, so I'm actually happy that you brought up that that episode because you are a teacher, yeah. um, and that is the specific reason that I wanted to have you back on the podcast. Right. Um, we've been in quarantine slash isolation slash phases of both mm-hmm. for the past... How many months now? Like almost six? Uh, March. Started March. 13th was a Friday. And that was when we were told national emergency happened while we were in school and said, okay, March 16th, that Monday, we are done. No more. Kids are not coming back. So March 13th was our last actual day as teachers uh, at school sites. Like physically there. So, right. And we're talking California specifically, but that sort of was nationwide at the time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. To my understanding. Correct. Right. Um, 
today is july 25th and i know normally we try to steer clear mm-hmm. of like dating things in yeah, the podcast yeah. but uh, you know for the sake of timeline mm-hmm. this has been now i guess only four months four solid months of yeah. separation from the physical presence at your place of work mm-hmm. um although normally you would be on summer break right now yeah which yeah. is kind of the benefit right so it happened at the end of the of a school year we typically yeah. have uh, not speaking toward year-round schools, but those are so kind of small and not as prevalent anyway. So yeah, uh, just for argument's sake, I'm only going to speak in reference to kind of uh, the summer program type for of sure. school that we are all yeah. familiar with. Um, yep. Okay, so specifically in regards to education, I have recently fallen down a Betsy DeVos rabbit hole on YouTube. I will do my best to be very... Yeah, so here's the thing. I don't have any personal tie to education other than having people in my life who are personally tied to education. So like you, I have a cousin who I'm going to be talking to later on the podcast. Can I say that's probably not true though either? Because like, what has your whole life system been? Totally. What I mean is like a current investment in education where like, I'm not in school. I'm not a teacher in school. And you know what I mean? Um, So it does directly impact people around me, but like it doesn't affect my day to day. Today it doesn't, sure. Today, correct. But with that being said, I am like infuriated Mm. with the interviews that I've seen. Um, mostly because I think it's such a blatant, ignorant representation of what this administration is as a whole. Yep. Um, that's me getting political and voicing my opinions. I but um, uh, in terms of like her specifically, in mm-hmm. terms of Betsy DeVos specifically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, she's going to make sure I don't have a job in any town, but that's... Like, the thing is, she's so, like, student forward, so to speak, in in terms of what she says. But many things. um, But, like, are you? So, here's my thing. Go ahead. Betsy DeVos has come out with President Trump, um, sort of hand-in-hand, if you will. Voldemort and um, Professor... What's the professor's name of education? No. Oh, the lady? In the pink, yeah. I don't know. Okay, so it's very it's very that, though. Mm, Um, (laughs) But uh, they've sort of come out hand in hand and have basically been pushing for a 100% opening, reopening of schools for the fall. Um, They have also threatened pulling funding from schools that do not reopen fully in the fall. Public schools, right. Public schools, Mm -hmm. correct. Yeah. now, with that said, she has she has stated that she believes there are certain schools that will be like a case-by-case sort of situation where like some schools will have issues, but I have much bigger issues than her like case-to-case yeah, ideals. Right. So um, with that being said, do you want to talk about what type of school you are teaching at sure. and what is happening currently as of July 25th for you come fall time? Yeah, okay. So uh, to backtrack a little bit, so my experience so far has been in the public school system. Okay. Um, and with that, uh, there's a full kind of, to be in the public school system as a teacher, you need the backing as far as the education goes. So you need the credential. I have the credential now plus... Uh, the master's, which um, kind of helps delineate a little bit more of a specificity in what mm. I can do. So hopefully for me anyway, gets for sure one, as teachers are concerned, a little bit more of a pay, but two, you can kind of really focus on uh, uh, like a subject matter. Right? Okay. Yeah. So with that, the master's definitely helps in public and charter schools as well, which is what I'm moving into now from okay. public to now this year charter. 
Um, As in the 2021 school year. Correct. Yeah, okay. the one. So 2019, 2020, I was in public school. Mm-hmm. That was last year uh, when COVID started to happen. Okay. This year moving into 2021 is the charter school. So the differences I'm noticing so far, and this is without obviously the charter school year happening yet, uh-huh. um, is... Well, wait, before we before we get into that, yeah, can you ahead. explain, because I don't even know, go I don't ahead. understand, yep. can yep. you explain the difference between so a public, no, I know, my questions now can, as I'm going through can the you just process. explain the, the biggest key differences between um, public schools and yes. charter schools? Yep. Okay, so public school, publicly funded, charter schools, also publicly funded, but the okay. thing is with charter schools, there's a certain delineation, hopefully, that they're pronouncing their charter by, right? So maybe we have... Uh, students that are overachieving that aren't met in the public school needs, right? So we need to achieve what they can do outside of what this public school system can provide for them. Mm. Or we have um, a system of, we have a bunch of kids for whatever reason in this district that are on the spectrum. So how do we really focus and make sure they're getting the education and the proficiency that they need to become whomever they want to be next year, right? So would a charter school basically be like you saying you're going to get your master's to specify in one like in a subject matter more, like yeah. where charter schools sort of take that specificity it, yeah, in it, like a type of student or a type of subject that, matter. Also it can be a demographic, right? So if you're okay. very low income and you need a little more support, then this charter school is going to say, we can provide that support I see. with district money still, so no cost to you. Okay. However, um, we can specify what it looks like to be lower income. So uh, let that be less homework at home because maybe it's not provided the mm. support that you need at home and that kind of thing. So it okay. it helps delineate different um, troubles that people might have, students might have. Interesting. And uh, is almost anybody eligible to enroll in a charter anybody, school? You can even be out of state and try to enroll. If our state is not supplying the students that you need, mm. if someone applies from out of state, you can still apply for and come into a California charter school. So, like, if somebody was in Arizona and wanted to come to a California charter if school, they could. You're saying them because I see. the people around didn't get uh, like want the or desire. Then right, yep, we could bring them in. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, and that's all publicly funded. Publicly funded. So, okay. whatever district it's in, they pull funds from that. Okay. Um, they just talk about charter schools and public schools. Uh, they being like media. Sure. So differently or seemingly differently and that that's why different. i get so confused they are different but privately run right so rather oh, than the okay. district uh it has district money but the district is overseeing all of it mm. i could own a charter school and your child could come to me because mm. um we are going to give curriculum based on california standards but we'll give curriculum for your child however it is that you uh need or specify okay. for your child rather okay. than with the public district we have to do this we have to do that we have to meet every standard. Uh, i see based on what the district says, whereas the charter has a little more leniency and a little more of a privatized uh, element okay. to it. So then with it being privatized, can it also teeter into being for profit? Can, can people make money off can. of that? I mean, that's typically a uh, private school uh, right. uh, problem. Right. But yeah, charter school for sure can be a poor profit. Interesting. Okay. Um, so now if you want to touch back or head back to yeah, where you were going with conversation. Soon. No, um, in terms of... Uh, you making the tr- this transition and do a charter school yep. in Southern California. Yep. Um, what have you been told mm-hmm. in regards to going back to school? It's really up in the air still. I okay. Mean, I know that my date back for this charter school uh-huh. uh, is going to be August 18th because it falls within the LAUSD um, curriculum guidelines okay. and calendar uh, for the most part anyway. Yeah. Uh, so it will be 100% online. 
Okay. Um, the structure, though, that I'm noticing within Charter School 2 is there's a much more communal idea, it seems, within teachers. So okay. we're going to share a pacing guide. We share lesson plans and that mm. kind of thing. So we kind of hopefully have... You're uh, more that, on the same page? Yeah, a goal for what these students' outcomes should be mm. at the end of the semester, at the end of the quarter, at the end of the year. Right. Because what um, grades is this for you? This one now is going to be 7th and 8th grade okay. going into the Charter School for Got next it. year. Okay. Uh, whereas last year in the public school, it was uh, 10th grade and 12th grade, so high school kids. Okay, got it. Yep. So um, the biggest difference so far that I'm seeing is structure. There's much more structure it looks like in charter than it does in public. Okay. Um, but also public schools have a lot more bureaucracy and mm -hmm. government and voices kind of coming right. in them. So I don't know really how to delineate that because I'm on the teacher side, not the admin side. Right. So um, you're, you sort of just sit standby right now and wait for your yeah, like instructions as to what's happening. Yeah, but but as of right now, it's online. Students and their parents as well. But right now, right, right, right. all online. Yep. Um, okay. Um, uh, but that's the hardest part right now. I even asked, okay, what's my schedule going to look like? What classes will I have? TBD, TBD. Okay, well, it starts in literally weeks. Right, so right. So how do I figure out what I need to do for the students that we're all making sure progress to tomorrow's kind of elevation that we need and yeah. our standards as this charter school that we really stand strong by, right? Yeah. It's a mission statement that we stand strong with. But, but like, how does that make you, f do so I, make I don't mean to anywhere. sound so therapist about it, but how does Please. that make you feel? Because that sounds like it could be infuriating yeah. in that you now have to create a, an entirely online based curriculum mm -hmm. with all of these TBDs also right. hanging over your head where something might just change dramatically the week before. And it does and it will for sure. Ugh. Like time has proven that that's the case now, even when we got hit with it on March 13th, right? When right. all of a sudden teachers no longer, this isn't happening. So today you need to make sure that we have at least three works of curriculum so that we can blast out digitally that can also translate to hard copies, right? If mm -hmm. students don't have access to technology or internet. Right. Which is another fucking issue. I was just going to say, do you have any idea of how many students, in just in your school specifically, mm -hmm. will be hit um, or negatively impacted by... Uh, maintaining this online curriculum and not being able to come into school because they at your school don't have the option to even come in right not even it's option. just right okay 100 online so uh, i don't know it's really tricky because i support 100 not going into schools okay. like i get i get it but also it's a wild disservice to students not going into school mm-hmm but there's no other option. So the only one that I can agree I know. with as a human, right? Yeah. And as a teacher and as somebody who also comes home to people that I care about and mm -hmm. people that are a little elderly that I care about, like yeah. it makes sense for me as well to make sure that we're not in the classroom because right. I I personally also have people that I need to worry about that I'm in contact for with. For sure. So right. um, I think that also needs to be voiced and is something that should be, should be stated. But for sure, we're all in agreement it's a disservice to the students not to be in school. Right. We're in the situation. We have to move forward. How do we do that? It has to be this, it looks like. Yeah. Is online. Um, so I'm really happy with the way that my charter school, so far, I haven't like spent a day teaching there yet, but I'm really satisfied with the way that their structure looks. Okay. Uh, because Good. they're saying we have this answer, we have that answer, we don't have this answer, but we can talk about Transparency. how to make that work. And that's yeah. all that I need. If we don't have answers, we don't. Whereas last year, my public school, we can do this, we can do that, we can do the other. When we're met with a task, it's then not achieved and we can't move forward because mm. 
well, we were given information that wasn't really true. So right. then where do we go? So Well, what's crazy to me is we've we funnel so much attention, resources, um, emphasis into American students being for lack of uh, terminology smart for being like yeah, yeah. leaders in education. Um, and now what we're seeing is like almost, or at least in what I've seen in terms of um, uh, interviews with educators and mm-hmm. specifically with Betsy DeVos on uh, the spectrum of, of news media Anything. outlets. So, so yeah. we're talking like Fox, CNN, MSNBC um, is sort of this like emphasis on beyond classroom uh, education beyond like uh, math, science, mm-hmm. literature, how important it is for students to be socialized, for students to be in sure. public atmospheres and sort of like the benefits that that has on their developmental years. Mm-hmm. And I completely understand and respect that. I agree. And I think right now it's especially hard on parents, say like in your school district or specifically within your school, who are being told to go back to work full-time, but whose kids are not going back to school full-time. And so suddenly you have this huge skew in routine. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that almost further puts pressure on the students to sort of like maintain some sort of like educational structure for themselves. Mm -hmm. Because what, uh, from what I can imagine, it must be difficult to keep their attention in a classroom, let alone like you being from home and them being from home with like, a lack of parental supervision. Right. And it's it's sort of like... And there's an option to turn your camera off. For them. Yeah. Oh, Like, man. what do I... You know what I mean? Like, what can I... I how mean, do I hold you accountable? If uh, well, exactly. I mean, I doing. take workout classes like that right mm-hmm. now. And I... Like, Instagram Live, where they, the mm-hmm. instructor can't see me. The second I'm tired, I stop. I drink oh, yeah, my water. Yes, I take right. a break. I'm and out. I'm like, fuck them. They can't see me. Or Who cares? Or to this commercial with, like, egg on water all over your face. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, that's all I do. So, like... Uh, Aside from... I'm not seeing I'm not accountable. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, But with that, how does grading come into play then? Because although social and developmental issues are a priority and should be a focus, Mm -hmm. they're going back to school to also still learn. Like, that's the main focus here. Um, So how do you hold students accountable? Yeah, well, to touch on the social-emotional part, 100%, that's a huge aspect that, like, needs to be had for kids and students, and that's why school is such a big deal. But also, like... We have to understand that homeschooling has been a thing, and it's been a thing for a long mm-hmm. time. And yeah, we call them "quote unquote" weird and this and that. Like it's easy yeah. to tease the uh, the more marginalized, right? right? The you outcasts, know, home- yeah, yeah. Right. And homeschool kids are the least represented. They're the ones that are uh, least in the system, or at yeah. least notably in the system. So fine, it's easy to do, but they're not. They're getting education. They're doing what they need to do, and mm-hmm. um, let it be at home. But it's still a process that's being done, right? right. Um, given that process is also with the help and acceptance of the family helping Mm -hmm. with that. This is forced on everyone. COVID is forced on everyone. So everyone doesn't have the same resources and I get that. But also we can't necessarily say that although it's not the option that we all want homeschooling right now for everyone, it's still an option that we know can work and we know can exist and we already have somewhat of a foundation to do it. So at the very least, Let's make sure that people are healthy in our community, in our state, in our government, right? Right. So that we can make sure that we're not going in another shutdown in two, three more months. Mm-hmm. Because everyone's fucking pissed about the second one. But it was also proclaimed that there would be one if you weren't careful. So here we are, right? Yeah. 
Um, well, and it it can be argued that we haven't even really left the first one, at least not in right. California. Right. We never really saw enough of a decrease to be like, great, we've sort of beat out this phase or this exactly. round of it. Oh shit, now we're back in the second. It's exactly. like, it just died down enough to open up some things mm-hmm. and then close them within two, three weeks time because the number surged again. Yep. Like it's just been this rolling wave of the first round mm-hmm. or first phase rather of this pandemic. Yeah, and I hear the argument of like, oh, well, if bars and Walmart can open up and this and that, then school should also be open. Yeah, but at the <laughs> same time, people need these resources. We can allow education to one degree or another. We don't love it, but one degree or another virtually we can make sure that that works schools are supplying technology to every single student mm-hmm. they're making sure that that system has worked as far as the areas that i'm in and around and can hear okay. from they're making sure that every student has technology at home the Good. biggest issue honestly is internet making sure that that's right provided. right um spectrum and a lot of different spectrum is the one that comes to mind but there were a lot of different um internet providers that allowed for the first round of free internet for students type of mm. thing um Back in March and April, I don't know how long it extended, but that isn't necessarily extending now right. to the fall. So, right. okay, fine, we have to work around that. But to your point on Betsy DeVos, like the issue is when we're saying we have to go back to school, have to go back to school, okay, fine. But then also give at least the foundational knowledge of what that might look like right. so that we can then build. Right. So right? you you are so you are now build. laying into my biggest issue. Mm. Um the one the one interview that sort of caused me to spiral into a lot of others is there was a an interview with a CNN reporter and the CNN reporter um and I know that on on a spectrum of media we have like liberal leaning news outlets and and conservative leaning news outlets and, and everything say, between. I want to put it out there right now. I hate that we only have two parties. I know. I don't love that because then it creates what we have today, which is we're vicious on this side, we're vicious on that yeah. side, and then the middle is never yeah. talked about. And I and I have watched uh, the spectrum of media outlets in yeah. in terms of Not to interviews. Say I don't lean right on one right. side, but. Gay reading. Yeah. Um, ah, nah, <laughs> to the left, just a little, just a little. Okay. Um, but what uh, what really got me in this in this one particular I'll interview? Left, I was talking about my dick. I, I took that. You know, in just my physical. I was just making it like sexual sexuality based. Also, these bedroom eyes right now. He's giving. Damn. Well. All right. Um, what really got me in this particular interview was a lack of um, liberalism or conservatism. I don't know if those are words, but. Yeah. It was it was the blatant questioning of Betsy DeVos in saying, have you laid out any sort of blueprint or or plans for these schools to reopen, regardless of what happens a week in, a month in, and them needing to shut down or go online? But just in terms of like getting back to the classroom, because you have put so much emphasis on getting these kids back to school, otherwise um, uh, holding funding over these schools' heads, have you said this is how you should try doing it? This is what maybe we're thinking you should try? And every time that reporter gave her the opportunity to answer, her response was the emphasis should be on schools opening. And as a viewer, I'm like, great. I could follow along with you on that argument if you gave me any sort of... um, uh, arguments to back up why you think that or why you think that could work or how that could work but it just seems to me like these schools are sort of uh, any any school is like sort of being pushed out there and pushed beyond the gates of safety to be like well you guys try it and figure it out on your own you yeah, know which is interesting too coming from her because her whole stance and her whole uh secretary of education memorandum almost has been 
it's up to the student. It's up to the parent to decide what education means for that student. Right. So let that be the private school vouchers. So mm-hmm. you get to select wherever it is you want to go. Right. Let that take away from public funding, but you get to decide wherever you want to go and that kind of thing. So if you're so involved with student decision, parental decision on what education looks like for that kid, then why now are you all of a sudden flipping the script on everyone in our government and in mm-hmm. our nation for that matter saying, no, 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 but now you have me as government now i'm letting you know so as trump you have to go to school you don't have an option for what that education looks like uh-huh. like i told you yesterday but today it's different because now all of a sudden i need a different uh soundbite to make sure that we get reelected right. to make sure that something happens right well yeah and that's a big issue for me like we can evolve we can obama wasn't for gay rights and that kind of mm-hmm. shifting marriage and that kind of thing but the thing is what happened at the end of the day exactly here we are exactly so, okay we evolve we grow we do what we can she's not doing anything other than anything being a little uh kind of puppet puppet to the puppet master and yeah it seems really frustrating to me yeah on this side well Okay, so she keeps quoting the CDC and saying that the CDC is arguing that it's important, again, for the reasons that we talked about earlier, that social development and structure and routine and whatnot. Yes, I agree. That the CDC has said it's important to get kids back in school this fall. Of course. However, um, within this interview on CNN, uh, the CDC is also quoted saying, if children meet in groups, it can put everyone at risk. Mm-hmm. Children can pass this virus onto others who have an increased risk of severe illness from COVID-19. Right. So going back to what you were saying, you at the end of the day are a teacher who maybe won't maybe won't have to be as worried about the population that you're teaching, mm-hmm. but in knowing that they can spread it to you, whether you would see the effects of that or not, are going back to people in your life right. who very well could see the the very real and very um, existential like res- uh, reactions yeah. to this, to this virus. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's sort of like you're not allowed to argue one point or one side of somebody's point and not the other. Like if they're making, uh, this linear point that sort of has a spectrum included of like, yes, it's important to get them to school, but also note that these kids can pass the virus. Mm-hmm. Cause I think the argument on her end is kids make up, I think it's like some 6% of uh, infection rates. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's, it's extremely low and I could be making I that number up. 1%, honestly, but still, if no, was 1%, and, and I was going to say it could have been like 0.6 of, or yeah. maybe of the deaths or something like that. So if it's still 1% or less than 1%, that's still th- that if we're thinking of the nation, right, right, right. thousands of kids, mm-hmm. right, that still get affected by it. Thousands right. of kids, right. less than one percent in our nation. Plus, who the fuck are they infecting? I, exactly. It's right. It's it goes back to like the all the diagrams and trees that we've seen since the beginning of like right. adult interactions where like I could be asymptomatic but a super spreader yeah. and I could be spreading it. it it's like STDs. Like sudden, here is, you are, right? right? Like this is how this works. Yes. Um, we have masks on, so okay, we're being good about it. But, yeah, and but, this like, is not everyone is right, and this is what gets me like so wound up is I understand the point or the emphasis on getting kids back to school, but the other issue that I take, um, and this is from uh, knowing both you and um, my cousin in the mid- Midwest, who I will be talking to later in the podcast, but a lot of this responsibility mm-hmm. is falling past the district's responsibility mm-hmm. and onto the the shoulders of teachers and right. educators yeah. who are suddenly so important and needed in terms of going back to school but are still so utterly underfunded oh, yeah. and underappreciated with um, the uh with the um 
kind of threat of being even less funded if right. we don't comply. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So like how does that make you feel as a teacher? Super shitty. <laughs> yeah. I mean, have you had you obviously knew getting into teaching you weren't going to be making millions of so dollars I took, in I education. Took a career shift. I think that should right. be said, right? I had 7 years in a PR and marketing background where I made really good money and I loved what I did to a degree and then realized I loved what I did because I was young and I got a lot of really cool uh, entertainment style yeah. perks by it. Right. Um, so with that, in a young mind, it was exciting. Let's do it. And I'm making the money that I didn't have before. So it's, of course, this is what I want. Not fulfilling. Okay, fine. So here I go. I do the credentials, do mm -hmm. the masters, and I'm doing the teaching thing now. But I'm noticing too, I'm getting more frustrated in this world than I was in the last one. Mm. One, because I care more about it. But two, because it affects really so many people's lives. One, yeah. And again, to create another list, to students' lives, so people that don't really have a voice and don't have a say, we have to be the ones to make sure that we provide that to them, whether they be teachers or parents or just adult authority figures. Like, yeah. People don't listen to kids, so we have to be the ones to voice that. So right. here we are doing that, hopefully, today. Right. Um, You're like the liaison between so many groups of people. In different styles of group. There's different niches in every one of my students, even. So I have... The kids with IEPs, so the ones who... What is that? Uh, IEPs, I have the kids who are on the spectrum of autism. Got or it, have, okay. Uh, special learning disabilities or needs that need to be met or met differently. Okay. I have 504, so kids with behavioral disorders or things that go on at home differently. Sure. Where I need to make sure I'm conscious of your socio... Um, Economic. economic status or your emotional status or whatever that is. Got it. And so there are so many different elements. So to compound that with... When I have almost 180 kids to manage every semester with now COVID and online learning mm -hmm. and how that's supposed to then translate to all these kids too. Right. Plus I'm held accountable for each one of their interactions oh plus God. the interaction that their parent wants to have for them. Uh-huh. It's a lot of shit going on. Yeah. So the thing is, well, and let's do it, but we just need help, right? And there's a, the, the biggest issue in what I see in all of that is there's no precedent for how this works. Like at least from what okay. I can remember, you and I have not seen this in our no. lifetime. So it's so not like it as a student, fine. we've been on this end of it. So now I could say like, I could probably help students by providing that. It's like, this just hasn't existed for yes. us. And so like, there's no rule book for you. The resources that are given to you are very like minimal. I'm assuming because nobody well, knows I, how to react I to this right now. I what day I was going to start right. two weeks ago. Right. And barely. Uh, and that's so, why I take such big issue with like this responsibility being taken off the Department of Education and putting being put onto these like school districts and, and, and each school really. and, and at the end of the day, the teachers. Let's think of you being my student, right? So you're my student in my English class, let's say in eighth grade. I love grade, role playing, whatever. by the way. You ready for it? <laughs> uh, those bedroom eyes again. But <laughs> uh, so let's just say that you are my student in my English class. Let's call it my eighth grade class today. Mm -hmm. You also still have your math, your science, your this, your that, your whatever. I have my structure on my online platform that I've created for you. I think it's simplistic. I think it's easier for you to maneuver and manage mm -hmm. whatever. Then we have this other teacher who doesn't know internet for shit, mm. which it's not their fault. It's not their right, problem. Right, right, They're right, right. guided in making sure that right. this is a curriculum that they know how to create. But then that's what you're dealing with on that side too, mm -hmm. which is a fucking disaster to work through, which right. can be and it has been. And I've seen other teachers and it's a disaster, let me tell you, yeah. sometimes to work through if you don't understand the system or you can't right. create online systems because of whatever reason. You're not tech savvy. You're a little older. Whatever it is, we all have our reasons. Mm -hmm. But you now, as the student, have to decide between your five to six classes how to figure out, which is a work in itself, 
Magani's mind, uh, idea of what curriculum is, what the structure is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Right. What um, Shane, Mr. Shane's, is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. It's a whole different task. Yeah. So now you have to learn my new website and right. how I'm figuring it out, whether I'm doing it smoothly oh, or not. Oh, shit. I didn't, I didn't so even think about that. So there's a different aspect for these kids at right. home, even, who have to navigate, one, the education, two, the curriculum, three the system in which each teacher is providing because it's not provided by the district mm -hmm. it's provided by each teacher so what the fuck are they doing like, right right it, uh, we keep adding on this bullshit that they need to figure out and well it's up to the state it's up to the district it's up to this everybody just keeps passing along yeah. that responsibility so, okay right. i i i can only accept it so far because then i'm still held responsible and i'm still to blame mm -hmm. if the kid doesn't get this standard or this element of education or pass this assessment or whatever yeah. We're, we're trying the way that you say you're trying by not giving answers we're trying by answering the questions that you want right you the know? way that the best way that you know how so right. uh, i'm gonna kind of step into a much deeper darker subject matter I'm and into it my butt and we can go there anthony i mean wait <laughs> we have gone there we have we can do it again All right. um and and i'm not looking for like facts or statistics i i'm looking more so for your like emotional response of to course, this yeah i'm good at that <laughs> so something something that like was was brought to my attention in in watching some of these like educational interviews was based around the idea um of children who are at home yeah. and the already skyrocketing rates of child abuse oh, sure. that are being reported at home as a reason to kick get kids back into school mm -hmm. um but again i feel like what that's doing is putting the responsibility on your shoulders as a teacher to suck it up for the the sake of the children which uh, it's hard right because like i understand that mentality i understand like if we can open doors and provide kids with a classroom or yeah. a, a daily escape from potentially like abusive homes mm -hmm. we're helping them at least those like eight hours of the day right, right? But in doing so, you're also risking your own health in that kids might not be able to spread it to one another, but they can spread it to you, your family going, you know, back yeah. to sort of that like infectious idea. Right. But like, is that something that you've dealt with even pre-pandemic in, in terms of like understanding? Yeah. You know what I so mean? So I uh, will. So this is going to be difficult because it gets emotional. I just found out a couple weeks ago. Even, okay. But um not last year, but the year prior to, I had a student who uh, was being raped and abused by his dad and mm. had been for the last four years. He was Oof. a freshman um, in our school, and I got word last week, two weeks ago, within that time frame, uh, that he committed suicide and oh. was successful in that, uh, which he's attempted, and I know that he had attempted mm -hmm. uh, during that time. So these things exist, and mm -hmm. they happen, and I know that they are more prevalent now because well for obvious reasons we're all at home more people are frustrated right. more people are angry they don't know where to turn so right. they turn on the people that are around okay mm -hmm. but there's it that's really hard to say because i have the experience of knowing what the effect of that looks like and i can't necessarily experience or understand fully because i haven't been a victim of that but right I never want any of my anyone but any one of my kids to have to go through what that looks for like. For sure. But also, I feel like 
on one side of this debate that's fear-mongering and making sure mm-hmm. that the other side complies to what the other one wants. Yes. Because we can be fearful of this. We can say, no, of course, no one wants that to happen ever. So now this is the obvious solution and option. Right. No, no, no. The thing is, you can also, this side that's doing the fear-mongering, right? You can also help in assisting and providing a resource and an outlet mm-hmm. for what that looks like. So if you want us to go back in schools, yo, I 100% am all right. for going back in schools. Right. Let's all do it. But what that means is we need more funding. We need more money. The mm-hmm. teachers in schools have been asking for for decades, decades. by the yeah. way, yeah. to make sure that we can create a system that works. Mm-hmm. And now in this system that this government has created for us, we all now have to make sure that we're in line with making sure kids can come back to school and do this, but not get funded if we choose not to because of health reasons and da-da-da. Well, the thing is, give more money you're giving more money to government great give more money to education so we can make this look better and work better for teachers for students for parents for right. the community for whomever so as and this is hard for me to kind of give you an answer on this question but it's awful what happens at home mm-hmm. and it's awful what's happening more now at home because of covid whether that be domestic abuse uh, spousally or uh, parent to child or mm-hmm. whomever and it is happening more now. But the thing is, too, don't put that weight on the people that are trying to help. Help the system yourself, especially I, when you're the one up there. I agree a thousand percent. And everything that you just covered in that response was the reason that I brought that subject matter Fair. up okay. is because I've seen it brought up numerous times. And you're not wrong. Not right? just from Betsy DeVos, up, right? from like numerous people who are wrong, saying but like, you need to be a part exactly, of that but you can't. And I, I'm happy you use the, the term like fear mongering because that's what it is. It's like, they're trying to instill this fear in you that if you're not around to like save these kids, that that responsibility falls on you. Right. Like you've somehow failed them for something that's out of all of our control. Right. right? You're not giving me an answer on Betsy DeVos, not you. Uh-huh. You're not giving me an answer on what tomorrow should look like in us going back to these schools. However, we have to, we have to, uh-huh. we have to. It's so determined that we have to. Fair. So let me go back to school. I want to. I enjoy it back in the classroom more than I do at home. One and two, it's more beneficial yes. to them. Their benefit for any, let it be uh, social, let it be emotional, let it be educational, academic, whatever. But also those same things translate mm-hmm. to me. Plus the parents at home that don't have to worry about their kids and babysitting and that kind of shit because they know they're at home. Yeah. Everyone wants this. Right. Allow us, work with us to make it work. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, because the same was, was to be said for like, um, like another ex- excuse, if you will, yeah. to get kids back was... Um, the the rising rates of child hunger yeah. like it's all these things and it's like i understand districts that schools help that, providing that right without. so that right so that's the thing is like districts have proven to be very successful in still providing those uh-huh. resources so like sort of the way that people and this is like a whole other subject matter but the way that people were were um arguing for defunding the police right. wasn't meant to like disband police but to provide money to resources that could otherwise benefit society as yes, a whole right. and that's sort of the same concept here where like i understand children are still going to be hungry or that children will still um endure abuse at home but like let's start that's not defund school districts Mm -hmm. let's just reallocate those funds in ways that we haven't before because now we don't have a physical classroom to occupy we have to make sure that these these homes are like occupied in like a like a positive positive way Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. like we're all in this together we're all figuring out this is shit we're all in a pile of mud together we have Mm -hmm. to get ourselves out we have to work together to do it 
But the thing is, when you have so much money in, in Betsy DeVos and the money that she has uh, and the she's lack a billionaire. of educational experience and all that kind of shit right. like, is crazy. Mm-hmm. So we all know that. Fine. If you don't at home, do a little bit of homework. She's no one that should be in this spot. But yeah. with all of those things, you don't see what the other side of the world looks like. Right. More than the other side of the world, what most of the world sees and experiences and is. Mm-hmm. I. It's hard to take the voice of someone who hasn't been close to my side and i'm nowhere near um uh in poverty or or hurting or anything like that right but still she doesn't see anything that my day looks like right and it's much more difficult than the bullshit she's going through Mm -hmm. and yeah fine her days are difficult because people are talking shit about her and all this kind of thing but it's also based on her voice she's put herself in that position what you're gonna do right exactly fine um so we're sort of like about to start wrapping up um this is kind of like a deep dive into uh, what what one can argue is like politically driven but again i think that this is also very like factually based so again when i when i talked about betsy pushing for like 100 percent of schools reopening i said that she stood with donald trump in saying that like trump also believes in that idea i'm just gonna like lay out a few facts here um and then we'll sort of get into like your response to it so Trump just recently canceled uh, the Republican National Convention activities in Jacksonville, Florida, but is still supporting a 100% opening of schools. And again, he canceled Mm. those RNC activities Mm -hmm. because of the potential risks and effects of COVID-19, right? Um, uh, To dive a little deeper into that, um, there's a whole article. I'm sure there are numerous articles, but an article that I read in uh, People online um, based off of like an Instagram post I saw, I was like, let me not just assume that this Instagram post is correct. But let good. me do my research. Do our yeah, yeah, yeah. So the That's first fair. word that I typed in pulled up an article based on this whole post that I saw, and I was like, mm-hmm. great, here we go. Yep. So it talks about how uh, Baron Trump, Donald Trump's son, who is in DC with him and goes to school in Virginia, his private school will not be resuming classes in the fall like normal, despite Trump's push to reopen nationwide. The private school said it was planning to conduct online classes or to go to a hybrid model where students come to campus in shifts and some can be remote because of novel coronavirus concerns. Um, This is actually, uh, I'm happy I have this quote. I I forgot I had this. The Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, and Prevention has reported that kids 17 or younger make up about 6% of confirmed U.S. coronavirus Mm. cases. That's where I got that 6 from. But Mm. in going to what you were saying, though that age range also makes up only about 0.2% or 228 children of all deaths, according to the Associated Press. Mm -hmm. Which, by the way, to those 200-whatever parents... uh, That's not not like some small number. Exactly, because we're talking about human life here. Um, and I'll just finish with this. However, it remains unclear how easily children may spread the virus to other groups of people. South Korea also came out with a study that suggests, and it's not 100% confirmed because it's a study that is uh, being peer-reviewed currently and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but suggests that the stopping, quote-unquote, that DeVos is saying that uh-huh. kids have of this virus doesn't exist. It's not real. Mm. And that uh, kids from, what is it, 10 to 19 years old still promote and uh, uh, distribute the disease in the same way that adults do. They just have more asymptomatic symptoms. So I see. Less symptomatic or not at all symptomatic. Okay. So they can be tested for positivity. 
um, and that kind of thing. So, well, look, I mean, at this point, I'm going to trust South Korea over the U.S. because we have no, um, uh, like, no result-based evidence to be and like, look what worked for at, us. Like, nothing has worked for us yet because... And we've been looked at at the world, by the world... As a fucking joke. Right. So I'm going to go... Is that with what you're going to say? Had, yep, 100%. <laughs> okay. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vouch for, I'm going to go with the credibility of the ones that have gotten it right. Exactly. And they're a different country, they're a different system, and they're not as big totally. usually. So I get totally. that, fine. But also as my citizenship and me being mm-hmm. who I am as an American, right? Like... I also can see that this is wrong and it's not right for me. It's not right, right for the public. It's not right for my kids. It's not right for the parents of my kids. Well, because so our, where we need to look elsewhere. Our, our, but that's the thing. Our president would rather turn our house, our, our heads elsewhere to be like, it's China's fault. We even have to deal with yeah. this. And it's like, let's move past that because it's not going to fix the issue right. that we no, have. Now, you know what so I mean? How do we now do this? Right. So yeah. um, I, I listed out sort of all that information just to sort of get like uh, an initial reaction to the fact that, like, our president's own son's school has decided to not return back to, like, basically a full-time classroom basis. Right. But he's still pushing for all schools to reopen I'm or at least try kind of, reopening. Also, so to divert it from Trump to the school, I'm wondering what political move that school is making by staying that. Because mm. the thing is, they know exactly who that kid is, Trump's son. Right. But they're still doing this anyway. And they're doing it, based on your quotes, in a very uniform type of yeah, peaceful yeah, yeah. Yeah. way that can be perceived as very politically mm-hmm. correct, right? On either side. Right. But that's a move they're making. Well, what they have on their side, though, is they're a private school. So they're not relying so not on his funding. Funded. Right. Right. Um, but still, it's a stance, right? Yeah. Although we had your kid, we're still making the stance and saying, no, 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 we think right. you're wrong. And I think right. that's something that I hope anyway isn't suppressed by whomever that wants to suppress it. But that's a message that's also pointed across of like, we have the president's kid here, yeah. and still and we're, we're still not, not going to be subservient to that idea because we know it's wrong. Right. So, okay, great. Right. Like, that, that, that I'm on the side of. Let's mm-hmm. be individual. Let's be independent. Let's make sure that we are doing what's best, best rather for our community around us. Right. But for most of America, the community around us is infected. So yeah. we have to be careful. Well, and I, I just want to make clear, like, I do understand that there are states where we're maybe down to, like, a few hundred cases statewide. Like I get that. And if your school can afford to open up full time, that's great. But for our president and our secretary of education to denounce schools that choose not to open out of safety concerns and threaten the defunding of those schools is ludicrous to me. Oh yeah. And like, I I almost want to say like so unprofessional, but there's no professionalism in this administration. And I've like given up on, on hoping for that. But like, I, I don't understand how, like, somebody can't step in and be like, this is unconstitutional to, like, not provide funding to public education in America, mm-hmm. you know? Or, again, like what we were saying, reroute that funding yeah. to better serve those specific communities. But I, just, like, and I keep resorting back to these, like, interviews with her, but it's because she's, like, representative of sort of the effects that we're about to see in the coming months to our Yo, not, she is the voice of my career and it's scary as fuck to your career but her voice is also going to echo into so many people's homes and lives oh completely because of the has. choices that she's making right yeah, now and right. i think that this is like picking up traction but not in the way that it needs to our government sort of like loves to procrastinate and like wait for the last minute like our our supplemental unemployment insurance is coming up on an end mm. um this is the last week for it Correct. and they still have yet to make a decision on like how to continue post this. Right. But all of a sudden they're like really honing in and like trying to, trying to make that decision. 
schools only have a few weeks before they start opening and we're like still trying to like get on the same page in terms of like providing resources or or rules or guidelines and and i just don't understand how like but i guess it i guess i do understand it goes back to the idea that there's like one side versus another and they're gonna bump heads and both want to like have this like dick contest of who has the bigger dick and it's, it's like put the dicks system. away we just need to make a fucking decision yeah. you know that it's will benefit people only two parties if we had literally right. just at least one more which i can't see in the foreseeable future in my no, lifetime, I know. lifetime that it'll truly happen but if we have at least one more dick in that mix right yeah yeah we can have a competition of okay this is right this is right this is wrong this whatever yeah. but we can have an actual it's like a majority like, more so yeah. At least something rather than this side and da da da. Let me get to the extreme to make sure the other side looks like an asshole. And then also the inverse is true. Like, for sure. It's hard to then, again, I am, I lean for sure toward one side and then the other. And through this interview and my last one, I'm sure that we know which. But two parties is not, that doesn't mm-hmm. work. Because if the two of us were going to argue all day, you know what's going to happen? We're going to argue all day. Right. Yeah. The end. I agree. If we could have Brian in here too and say, okay, well, what about this perspective? Mm-hmm. Maybe we still won't come to an agreement, but there will at least be another voice, outside yeah. voice part of a uh, point of view yeah. that we can at least negotiate and talk about and maybe come to a different understanding and middle ground. Like, I, I don't know how this becomes different for what we look yeah. like today, and it's really disheartening. Well, but on that, me, we don't. Schools are great. Yeah, <laughs> on that, we don't have to disagree. Um, I, I will state just for the record, though, that I love good sausage fest. Yo, sausage. Also, by the way, I have to say, okay, so Shane invited me to his uh, birthday little shindig the other day. Yeah. And I need you to know that it meant the world to me because I... That I invited you? Honestly, I mean that. I know Aww. it's surprising to you, but to me it meant a bunch because like, Brian and I, yeah, we're, we're friends, we're close, okay, fine, whatever, but it wasn't the same here. Yeah. It was yeah, yeah, yeah. through Brian and through the podcast that we were like reconnecting and that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know, you did and I was like, all right. No, this is good, and we're like hmm. we're a thing. This is nice. Well, so good. I'm happy you. All. I'm happy you were there. You and Carolyn. Yeah, truly, I yeah. appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, guys. So, um, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that I had my cousin Shannon coming on to give us sort of a different perspective of um, teaching view- teachers' viewpoints who are going back to school full time because Anthony is going back only online. Um, so I'm so excited and happy to introduce my cousin Shannon to the podcast. Go ahead and say hi. Hi guys. Um, so Shannon, you are based in Indiana, um, the Midwest, if you will. And the sort of like general consensus for your state is that schools are, or will be going back full time in person Monday through Friday, starting next month. Right. Yes, we are returning. Parents have the option of either a full five days in school, Monday through Friday, like normal, or they can choose full e-learning for their children. Full e-learning. Uh, so that yeah. e-learning is provided by each student's school, or that's like a general like state-provided thing? So each district is providing their own e-learning. What that looks like is up to the district. Um, some districts are hiring their own in-staff teachers do the e-learning and some districts are doing a third-party outsource in order to provide that e-learning. Okay but from um, your perspective as teachers over there um, Mm -hmm. if you decided hey I don't feel completely safe going back to the classroom does that mean that you wouldn't and this is like not this is not like um, 
to bash schools or anything. I'm just trying to get facts. Would that mean like you essentially wouldn't get a paycheck? Like, cause you're not going to work. Does that make sense? So how it basically broke down is teachers have the option. Are you going to come back? Are you not going to come back? Um, They tried to work with some teachers who maybe didn't feel that they were safe coming back. Obviously those would be teachers who would be like immune compromised teachers. Um, but it did not necessarily hold your job. What they're doing right now is they will guarantee that they will hold your job for one year without pay. Okay. In hopes that if you would like to come back next year, mm. um, you will still have a position. Okay. But basically it was either like, hey, you can guarantee to come back a full five days or you can be guaranteed to have your job held and maybe you will be one of those few teachers who get to kind of like work within the e-learning curriculum. Okay. Uh, so like, that's, I guess like a, a nice, not nice, but like, it's, it's good to have that alternative rather than be like, if you don't come back, you're fired. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the amount of teachers though, like there's no way there'd be enough, like if there were so many teachers that they did not want to go back to work. Right. Um, yeah, it would be a lot of people whose positions are just being held for that one year mark. For sure. Um, what seems to be like the general consensus of, um, teachers out there in regards to going back to school full-time in person? I feel like you kind of see all parts of the spectrum, um, like in terms of like the different Facebook groups I'm part of, like different teaching Facebook groups and like ones that are based here in Indiana. Um, there are a lot of teachers who are very scared to go back who are feeling like, hey, I don't feel like my rights are being protected or no one's looking out for me. Um, right. There are other teachers who I know who love being in the classroom and I'm one of teachers like I love being in the classroom I love getting that face-to-face time with my students there's people who are like hey I'm willing to risk it to do that not necessarily that I am Um, but there's teachers who are willing to risk risk it and then there's kind of teachers who are in the middle and not really sure how to feel right and then there's also teachers who are like hey I still need a paycheck so I don't really get to even have an opinion for sure Are there, um, uh, and I'm sure this varies, you know, school by school or district by district, but are there um, safety measures that are being promised or or given to you um, as a guarantee in coming back? Yes. So we do have a lot of safety measures put in. Um, I do have children within, like, the school district here as well. So I'm getting it from, like, the parent point of view as well as the teacher point of view. Sure. So as of right now, kids will have assigned seats on the bus okay. um, and that is in oh my god of, I, that's like a whole facet i didn't even think of yes i mean yeah because school buses right. are a huge thing i mean it, they cost millions of dollars for yeah. a district a year to operate school uh, to operate buses and usually i mean i don't i, I know i didn't take bus to school as a kid but like districts that i know of i mean they're like packed yeah so there's usually at least two to three kids per row so okay. Obviously, knowing that there's probably going to not be the opportunity for social distancing on the bus, they are having kids in assigned seats in hopes that it will limit exposure and that if a student does come down with COVID, they can kind of track what other students they were around. So even in terms of the bus, they're doing that. Um, They get to school and they have to have masks on basically the entire day. Okay. Okay. they're trying to find ways to build in masks, breaks, 
mass break for the kids. Okay. So if that's like going outside or going to like the bigger parts of the school, like the auditorium or the gym, where we can give them that opportunity to space out and take off the mask for a little while. Okay. Um, We are doing that in terms of like seating. They want, from what I've heard, I mean, pretty much across the state is desks in like that single file facing the front of the room type deal, which we've really gotten away from in education in the last, I don't know, 15, 20 years probably. We're really student-based. Like, I mean, my kids normally work together constantly. They're always working in groups and working with their peers. Oh, interesting. So um, does that look like little silos of desks, like, just pushed together? So normally, yeah, I'll put mine in, like, groups of four or groups of twos, anything like that. My groups, in a normal school year, my kids are always in groups together. Right. So now it's going to be, like, those that old school idea of like everyone facing the front of the room. Um, right. And it also is hard in terms of how you approach your classroom because they also want us to really minimize group instruction. Mm. Okay. Um, so in regards to like those, those little silos, you know, we, we have like our own little text thread going on between us cousins and, you brought up a really interesting point that I just sort of wanted to expand on um, because I was talking with um, the guest just before you, Anthony, and, and you know, one of the things that we brought up was the responsibility, not just now, but always that sort of put on teachers' shoulders, whether consciously or subconsciously, um, especially within this country. And um, somebody had sent in our text thread a photo of like a little group of four desks pushed together and a teacher who was talking about how she's been able to sort of like safeguard her classroom by, you know, going out and spending a hundred bucks of her own money to throw up like little, like it's like a PVC contraption with like the clear shower curtains to get kids to be able to like work in groups while still having some type of measure in between them. Totally. Um, which like on first glance, I feel like as somebody who's not a teacher, I'm kind of like, oh, that's really cool. Like how beneficial or, you know, how creative to think of that. But the point that I wanted to bring up that you made um, was more along the lines of, you know, how crazy it is that we are in a country that has such limited or limitless, excuse me, resources. Um, but we still have teachers going out and spending $100 of their own money just to safeguard their own classroom, you know? And that's not to speak yeah. on behalf of, like, your district, but just in general as a country, like, how much of this responsibility is already falling on the shoulders of our educators, and we haven't even opened up schools yet, you know? Like, how much yeah. you have to prepare to to get yourself back into that space. Um, just to read a quick statistic that we talked about um once just before I uh, introduced you, um, the CDC has reported that kids 17 or younger make up about 6% of confirmed U.S. coronavirus cases, um, though that age range also makes up only about 0.2% or 228 children of all deaths. Um, so what I was talking about with Anthony and what I sort of wanted to pick your brain about was First of all, the 228 children that have died is a minuscule number in terms of like numbers as a whole, but that's 228 kids that have died from uh-huh. coronavirus or, you know, the likes. Um, the bigger issue here seems to be that kids 
although maybe asymptomatic, are still very able to spread this virus to their teachers um, or adults around them. Um, So although it's great that we're putting all these measures in place for the kids, um, what, what seems to be like more of that general consensus of teachers going back to the classroom in regards to like the well-being of not only themselves, but like their families? So I think that that is a big concern for a lot of people. Of I mean, I think we all know the statistic of, hey, kids aren't dying of it. Kids don't spread it as much as other adults do. Uh-huh. And we're all like, yes, we understand that. That's not where the cause for concern is coming from. The cause right. for concern is that all of these kids go home every day. Right. They're going home to parents. They're going home to grandparents. Same with, you know, their teachers. They're going home to their own loved ones. Uh-huh. It's definitely a concern for a lot of people. And I feel like a lot of the people within the communities who are very much like pro sending the kids back to school keep throwing out that same exact statistic of it's not the kids that are dying. And we're all like, yes, we get that. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, um, but yeah, so in terms of that, I mean, it's definitely a concern. Yeah. Um, and so it's just trying to put as many of those safety measures of washing your hands and having hand sanitizer, limiting group instruction in order to be able to kind of lower those risk factors. Totally. And, um, you know, this isn't something that I've personally seen in regards to teachers, but I'm wondering if you have. There's been talk since all of this started of basically like a hazard pay given to frontline workers, which I would very much label teachers as. Um, given that most teachers aren't really being given the full option of going back. Um, I mean, like you said, they are, but people need a paycheck. Um, is there, has there been any discussion of that within like teachers unions or, you know, government talks of, of like expanding that, that, um, hazard pay for, for educators? Yeah, and then I mean, obviously, there's always like those grumblings and like teacher Facebook groups of we should be getting hazard pay and stuff like that. But as far as an actual format of it, or like a state initiative, or national initiative, or even like a union wide initiative, Uh no, there really hasn't been anything like that strong towards hazard pay. Okay, well, just for the record, I think you guys should be making millions of dollars a year. So the, the I agree. I'm totally on to Yeah, I, I'm here. I support that. Um, so the last thing that I, I wanted to like wrap up and one can argue this gets like kind of political, but I still think it's important to bring up um, the uh-huh. fact that and I've already mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but it's the fact that our president's son's school has decided to not go back full time in person, but that the president and the secretary of education, Miss Betsy DeVos, um, are pushing and threatening a defunding of schools um, if schools don't fully reopen. Um, yeah. Do so, you want to weigh in? <laughs> yeah. So first thing on that is private schools do not by any means have to follow the same guidelines as public schools do. I personally teach in a public school. My children attend public schools. Um, and I was raised, though, going to private school. But okay. in terms of kind of all this corona stuff, um, private schools do not have to follow the same regulations uh-huh. as the, the public sector would. Okay. So um, do I think that it's kind of comical that the president's son is not 
going back. And part of me would be like, listen, like, put your money where your mouth is and pull your kid right. from that private school and put him in public school. Totally. If you think that it's such a safe option. Yeah. Um, the other end of that spectrum that I do worry about of sending the whole nation back e-learning, like, obviously, wherever Barron Trump is going to school is filled with millionaires' children, kids who have no issues at all affording with resources. technology or tutors or, right. I mean, everything that's available under the sun. Yeah. So there is that end. The other end where I can see where people do want kids back in school is I really do feel for those kids who don't have a great home life or they don't have the resources available or the technology there. Uh-huh. Um, maybe they don't have the greatest type of parental guidance structure happening. And those are the kids that will really end up falling through the cracks, right. not being in a traditional school. For um, within the districts that, that you live in, um, because you guys are being offered that full-time um, uh, school structure again, is there any assistance being provided to families who claim that they don't have the resources they need, but would still prefer to keep their kids home on that e-learning schedule? Yes. So most districts will provide, if you don't have like, a computer at home, yeah. um, you can get a Chromebook through the district. Okay. Districts are providing um, like free lunches and breakfast. And how it's usually happening is it's like every couple days there'll be like a drive-through. So basically cool. there'll be like a huge thing set up outside. Um, parents can drive through and they can get like enough lunches for like two or three days. Oh, and nice. then after that time, there'll be another drive-through. Okay. I'm actually yeah. really impressed. So there, are, there are resources being available. Okay. However, that doesn't necessarily always mean that those children are still being met because for sure to do e-learning at home, you really do need a parent who has the ability to stand over your shoulder, right, and help you when needed. Right. And we do live in a sad reality where not all kids do have that. Right. Right. Interesting. I actually am happy that I that I phoned you in because I'm surprised just to hear that those resources are being provided um, mm-hmm. only because and you know what I was explaining to Anthony before you is my interest in this subject um, was really peaked when I fell down a rabbit hole of interviews with Betsy DeVos on a spectrum of media outlets um, she's a peach. <laughs> she is quite the piece. Um, but what, what infuriated me most was not once in any interview could she lay out any sort of guidelines or resources or assistance that she was providing to these schools that she's essentially like not forcing, but kind of forcing to reopen. Um, and so what it made it sound like to me was all of these schools are just sort of like on their own or these districts are just sort of like on their own. And it's this like case by case, you do what you need to do, but you're only getting money if you reopen. So it's nice right. that like, you know, even somewhere like Indiana, um, where I'm, I might not personally always agree with like personal politics that yeah. these, these resources are being allocated in, in a way that I think might be the best that we know how to do right now. Um, so on that point, though, I don't, as far as I know, it's much smaller than 
state standards. This is more like a district by district case. And okay. I'm lucky enough to be like in an area and my kids go to a district where it's relatively affluent in terms of they provide a lot okay. and the parents also have the ability to provide a lot. But certain districts, I mean, where money's tighter or you know, the family income level is lower, so there's not as much tax money going into the school system. Sure. I don't personally know if all of those same services are able to be provided. I mean, I just know friends that I have who are in other districts or are in, like, close by neighboring states. Um, a lot of them were getting packets sent home, like, whereas our students had the ability to go get computers, mm. these students were getting, like, you know, paper and pencil packets. Oh, wow. Okay. in order to be able to do that work, which can be hard because, right. I mean, for my experience e-learning, it was relatively smooth in terms of the kids got the face-to-face time with their teacher yeah, because um, they could see them on the computer and teachers could upload YouTube videos or, right. you know, all right. different kinds of links and resources that don't necessarily hit with that paper and pencil mentality. Totally. Um, yeah, I mean... If- Thank you so much for not just being on this podcast, but for being a teacher. I know that sounds like so, um, not cliche, but it sounds so like cheesy to say something like that. But especially (laughs) during a time like this, like, you know, coming from a position where you're probably already um, undercut in terms of like um, compensation for what you do on a on a nine month a year basis to jump into this. So like head first and like to take on that role of, of leadership for literally a generation of kids is like so, um, astounding and, and, um, like inspirational. So thank you. Um, Oh my gosh. Thank you. Yeah. But also thank you for being on the podcast. I'm so excited to like have you on. Thank you for having me. I mean, I've been listening forever waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Who knew it was just going to take a pandemic and an educator role to get you on here? Right, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Was there anything else that you wanted to say before I let you go that I didn't like touch on? Okay. I think you covered all the bases. Great. Um, Well, thank you so much again, and um, I'll see you in the text thread. (laughs) All right. Bye, Shane. Bye. Okay, um, so before we get into our in-seasons, I just wanted to know if there was anything that you wanted to wrap on or sort of like make a closing statement. If not, it's okay, but if there's anything else that we didn't talk about that you yeah. wanted to say as a teacher. Um, I don't know. I'm sure there's something like crazy big and great. Cause I know, you'll leave here and be like, ah, oh, I should have said that. I know, I'm going to leave and be like, fuck, whatever. <laughs> um, but generally, no. I, I, I hope that people... We all know that teachers are underfunded and that kind of thing. I don't want to say, yeah, I deserve more money. But uh, in uh, tangentially with that, um, I think that just make sure that you give teachers respect that mm-hmm. kind of is deserved a little bit. Right. I don't know that I even did prior to my being sure. in this, understanding that I wanted to be in this mm-hmm. even so I can get that side of it. But if you're a parent and you're seeing what's happening at home, notice that that's what we also have to do in the classroom. Right. 
that and they're not our kids so they mm-hmm. don't even listen to us as well as you and they may not even be listening to you yeah. well and i'm understanding that more and more and more yeah. as time goes on um so just maybe be on our side and understand that you know we're trying for your kids and the way we're doing this because we want to make the system better right. for you for us and for the system tomorrow right um and this isn't just like a fun career choice to make this is for sure uh, harder than what I used to do, and what I used to do was fucking hard in mm-hmm. entertainment and PR. Like the uh, expectations of that was insane. But yeah. this, because it means more, and because it affects people more and more truly, right? There's more long term. Uh, yeah, there's more of your kind of personal weight in that. And I know this is a long way of my saying, but um, having one side of the spectrum and now being on the other, be on the teacher side and mm-hmm. just kind of uh, advocate for them as well. Yeah, because we're here for you as a parent, as a student whatever it is but we're here for you as much as we feel that we need to be here too you know yeah i love that that. um so as you know the structure of this podcast very well we are going to jump into our in season would you like me to go first you want to go first you go first okay um so the other night everybody knows i love a good like show or movie or documentary or whatever um i had are you familiar with ben platt do you know who that is? Uh, the politician. I just finished both seasons. Episode Wait, I was one. About, when episode I was, one, I, season one. When he's saying "river," I cried, and I had that shit on repeat. It's not a joke. I, I was literally about to be like, "He's not a politician," but you were talking about his show on Netflix, do you do "The your, Politician." Do you want to do your, uh, your in season right now? Okay, back the fuck up. Yeah, go ahead. You're a guest in my house. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I was gonna say is, on Netflix, he has a. Um, concert special so it's ben platt live at radio city uh, music hall i saw a commercial yes um ad, i highly recommend it okay. uh question yeah is it like hamilton where it's like somebody's mom iphoning the video on stage or is it like a production that we can no it's it's i believe the I fucking hated hamlet by the way hamlet or hamilton hamilton god mm. damn it um i god i have not I watched hamlet twice yeah i haven't watched hamilton yet damn. um but in terms no. of filming, no, I believe that no. this, the structure of this show was set up to be filmed. Fair like it looks fine. like they, yeah. And I don't know, like I, again, I, I can't attest to Hamilton, but this looks like it was like not, I just not professionally do... done, but it was like set up to be filmed. I'm interrupting yeah. your whole thing and I'm okay with that. Okay. Are you okay with that? Yeah, whatever. Okay, great. I appreciate that. I can't handle a Broadway uh, play being filmed on the Broadway stage and then told to me that it's a movie. Mm. Like I can't watch the Hamilton thing and appreciate it in the way that I can if I'm sitting my ass in the seat. Okay, well, so you're literally stealing my end season because um, Why are we the same? It's the middle I name just, and your first name. That's what it is. What it did was like, it made me miss live entertainment. I can't talk to you right now. So much. Is this interview over? Are you done? <laughs> I mean, it can be. No. Um, no, but I, I, there's just something, and, and like there's, you know, watching something through TV, like what you just said, is only going to allow you to like connect to a certain level mm-hmm. as opposed to like being in a seat or being like at Radio City Music Hall where right. like you can like sort of like be surrounded by other people's energy and reactions and emotions and, and you know, singing along. Um, and it, it just made me realize like how much we've, lost through this pandemic and um on a broader spectrum how important it is for artists to be like teachers respected and appreciated so much more than i think we appreciate and support 
not just actors, but performers, artists in any way. Um, culture, art is culture. Yeah, because the first thing we turn to when we're stuck in our homes is art on Netflix or Hulu or reading books or, you know what I mean? Um, And I I look forward to the day when we can sit in a theater again or a a stadium or, you know. I'm going to get in the Broadway, but I would love Hamilton if I was sitting my ass in that seat. Yeah, well... I'll give you my opinion on Hamilton oh, when I watch it. But watch the Ben Platt one. It's good. I'm going to, but also I have an affinity for Ben Platt. In Fair. a way that I'm like The politician was great. Anything and I'm just going to do I think you're wonderful. His voice is godly. It's crazy. It's insane. Yeah. River, if you haven't people listening, if you haven't heard, <laughs> if you have Netflix, The Politician season 1 episode 1, I think it's like 45 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Listen to him sing River about it's beautiful. his past friend River. I cried and I was hard. It was a very complex. Oh, prove it. It was weird. We're going to play it after this. Okay, hold. Great. So you're in season. My in season. (laughs) Um, So COVID obviously has been a big, had a big effect on everyone. Last time I was here, I loved the idea of COVID and my in season was COVID, but Mm. on a positive note. Right, right, right. Um, But in a little more reflection and with life happening the way that it is and has, um, like I lost my grandma during COVID Mm. with that. She was alone and, um, and that's hard to deal with. Sorry. Which I'm working through and okay, but like that's an aspect of COVID that wasn't foreseen. So I felt really ignorant. And I guess that's my point in bringing this up now, really ignorant and saying COVID is fine for me. And the thing is I'm not affected by it because I haven't gotten sick by it and the people around me haven't. But it doesn't mean that it isn't affecting me directly still, right? So right. that happened, and that's really hard to overcome. The whole school system and what that's mm-hmm. supposed to look like tomorrow is really overwhelming. Um, so yoga, I found. Okay. Little YouTube uh, yoga action, I found, is so far for me been super beneficial. Yeah. And then that's translated into... Uh, a meditation aspect of life, right? Oh, I great. haven't done the meditation in the way that I know meditation is, but mm-hmm. I'm achieving aspects of that and I'm getting closer to what that looks like. Yeah. And it's finding, I'm finding rather that I'm getting a lot of really good out of that. Okay. So I'm still pursuing that and I'm still working on Great. what that looks like for me because I, I think that I've already gotten something out of it, but I think I can get a lot more. So yeah. I'm still working on that. Well, I think in a world where you're not going to find a lot of outer peace right now, it's so important to find inner a peace. Beautiful point because that's exactly why it's kind of started was. Yeah. What can I control? Let me figure that right. out. Me, exactly. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, well, Anthony, that was it. You're wonderful. That was our second episode together. I'm so happy it. you were our like, first repeat guest. Like thank you, you so much. So um, uh, as always, thank you to all of you who have tuned in and um, listened and joined us for this episode. The best gift that you can give us, like Brian says every week, is to uh, rate, r- review, subscribe, share, um, tell everybody you know about our podcast um because it really helps give us a little more meaning to why we come together every week and record this for you um you can always oh do you want to play my part right now i can do your part okay um if you guys want to reach out to us you can always find us on instagram at fruit snacks podcast pod pod. nope fruit Uh snacks pod there we go and uh you can always email us at fruit snacks pod at gmail.com there we go i know uh, it I yeah know it. <laughs> Brian, bye, whatever. yeah just, he's out I, i'm about to make you the the face of the watermelon <laughs> he's out <laughs> yeah i want a mango a fair i like that we'll change up the fruit a little bit i appreciate yeah that. yeah <laughs> um anyway thank you so much guys we will catch you next week bye everybody <laughs>